right, it's great to have you all. I don't know about you, that about <clears throat> that made me nauseous. Okay, anyway, I'm glad to have everybody here. And uh, as we go in and work through our series called Move, uh, first of all, I just want to thank a couple of folks. I'm so appreciative. First of all, Doug Sanders and the whole team that went last week to help out at the camp at Victory Lane. Could you give them a huge hand, Doug and his team? So proud of them. And then I'm also so thankful for Neil Donhauer, who preached uh, last Sunday. Uh, uh, what an elder, what a friend, and I'm so appreciative for Neil as he kicked off our series. And uh, I don't know how you're feeling these last few days, but is it hot or what? Man, you know, it is so hot, you're probably wondering, how hot is it? Well, the other day, you know, we just moved recently to Spencer, and I saw a farmer outside, and he was feeding chickens uh, ice so that they wouldn't have boiled eggs. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty good. I told that joke to Andrew Porteous. He just went, no. no. So, uh, let's bow forward to prayer as we dive in. Heavenly Father, man, it's just great to be here. It's great to call this home. And I thank you so much for the worship and the praise. Uh, Lord, everything we do, everything that has breath, uh, is worthy of praise to you. And so, Lord, we just thank you for today, another day of life. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you're visiting uh, this morning, we're in a series, and it's called Spiritual Pathways. And uh, there's a great book. Uh, a couple of you have been asking about this. Uh, it's called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And he talks about in our lives, and this is so true, it's important to know the way you're wired spiritually, because when you know how you're wired, uh, there are times that you go through kind of slumps in life, and these spiritual pathways just help you reconnect with God at a deep level. We're going to get into a couple of those pathways this morning. Uh, Neil shared last week the importance of this assessment that we have. You can just go to socc.org, and if you check out how you can take this own assessment to kind of see what your spiritual pathway is. So today... Our spiritual pathways are simply, and I boil down these two words, is prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Now, uh, the term that uh, Thomas would use is simply this. Gary Thomas would say contemplative, in other words, times of solitude, and an enthusiast, and that's the person who prays is what really gets them connected with God. So Heather mentioned that in our services, we're going to try to weave in these principles all throughout. So today, that's why if you've Follow along, especially the lyrics are so powerful on praise. And we want you to, to really get into what that means, why praise is so important, and also what it means to get into prayer at a deeper level. Now, we talk about praise. Here's what's really important for me is to always start with the end in mind. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 58a. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. That's where praise begins. Never forget who Jesus Christ was and is and will always be. And when we start with who Christ is, who he has become in our lives, then praise becomes uh, easy. We just need to remember where Christ truly is. Now, I'm going to walk through, if this is your prayer language, if this is what helps you to connect with God, here's how you're going to know. 
Uh, I don't know if you heard this guy, Jeff Foxworthy. I like him. And uh, years ago, if you remember, you know you're a redneck if. So here's a few classics. <laughs> if you cut your grass and you find a car, you might be a redneck. <laughs> if your lifetime goal is to own a fireworks stand, you might be a redneck. Here's my favorite one. Uh, this might have just happened, so I apologize. If you make change in the offering plate at church, uh, you might be a redneck. Now, here's how you know praise is the language that draws you to, to the throne of God. I mean, when you're down, praise is it. Uh, and here's just some basic things. If your favorite part every Sunday morning is the music and the praise, like you just wish the music would go on and that the preacher would sit down. I mean, if that is like, man, that just lifts, okay then you are wired this way, that praise is what really draws you to God. If you raise your hands and you just can't help yourself, I've got to raise my hand. By the way, I love that. I grew up in a very staunch church growing up. It was a Church of Christ in Illinois. Nobody raised their hand unless they had a question. Nobody. And I just remember that it took me a long time before I, would, I felt free enough to actually raise my hand, because I always thought, oh, man, everybody's going to be looking at me. They're going to think I've got issues if I raise my hand. And I realized the universal sign of raising your hands means what? Anybody? Surrender. When you raise your hand, you're just saying, God, I'm not in control. You're in control. You're the only one worthy of praise. And if you're in your car and a praise song comes on and you crank it up and you have transformed yourself to Chris Tomlin or Salon Dion, praise is your gift. And you're singing at the top of your lungs, and you're pounding the steering wheel, and you get a ticket, and you tell the policeman, man, you should have heard this song. Great. So, I mean, praise. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, that there's just something about lifting God up in praise, and that is what draws you close to God. Psalms 150 is one of my favorite psalms about praise, and this comes out of the message. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, his holy name of worship. Praise Him under the open skies. Praise Him for acts of power. Praise Him for His magnificent greatness. Praise Him with the blast of trumpet. Praise Him by the strumming soft strings. Praise Him with, uh, uh, with dance and banjos and flutes. Praise Him with cymbals and a big bass drum, with fiddles and mandolins. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. Now, that's just good. I love how Dave wraps that up. David says, listen, all of us are wired to praise God, all of us. But for some of you, praise, as great as it is, there's another area that draws you to the throne of God, and it's prayer or contemplative prayer, seeking the mystery of God. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Now, what does that mean to be contemplative? It simply means that you're living for the love of God and that you want nothing more than privacy and quiet sitting at the feet of Jesus. Do you see why putting this service together today was a little hard? One side of the aisle is, praise God, blow the roof, turn it up, and the other is like, in Jesus' name, please be quiet. I mean, you've got both... But it is true that for some of you, this is how you really draw close to God, is moments of quietness and stillness. Be still and know that I'm God. The classic, of course, story 
is in the New Testament. And uh, every room is divided by Mary and Martha. Now, this room has Mary's, and this room has Martha's. Martha's, you've got a to-do list. You've got 73 things. And today, you've only got 14, and that's all you can think about is the rest. And then you've got uh, Mary, who's just like, oh, we're going to have so much fun. Jesus is coming. You know, you've got, I just going to be at the feet of Jesus, and you've got, i got to get things done. That's interesting that that's exactly where Jesus at that moment wanted Mary and Martha to be, is to take time and unplug, to be still, to listen for the voice of God. But there are a couple of things that I would call potential dangers or roadblocks uh, for those of you that love to seek God out through deep, deep times of silence and prayer. Remember the need to come off of the mountain. Now, when you get deep into prayer and you draw near to God, you don't ever want to leave that. You don't want to go to work. Uh, you really don't want to even interact with people. Uh, you're in the presence of God in such a powerful way, but you've got to remind yourself that uh, you've got to come off the mountain and you've got to enter the chaos. And uh, we know what that's like to come out of the stillness of prayer and enter the chaos, but we know that we need to be there. And then don't judge others for their busyness. As you're drawing close to God and you're having these deep prayers, you've got to be very careful that as people are talking about how busy they are, that you're not judging them like, boy, it's a shame they can't sit at the feet of Jesus like me. They can't draw on it. Okay, be careful of that. Because pride can set in. There's a, there's a, a way to, to get deeper into your prayer life. It's called Lectio Divina. And this is actually a practice uh, for the centuries. And uh, here's how this works. It's actually uh, meaning sacred reading. It's how to take God's word and infuse God's word with your prayer. And this is so important. So just let me walk you through four questions. If we ask ourselves these four questions, I'm telling you, your prayer life can go deeper and deeper. And here's the questions. You pick out a text. So let me just pick out a random text. Psalms 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? So let's just say you're going to really focus on Psalms 121. You'd read that Psalms, and then you'd ask question one. What does this text say? So just ask yourself, what does this text say? And then the second question is, what does this text say to me? Isn't it interesting? I don't know. I know you never do this. You ever sat in church and some guy's preaching, and you're thinking to yourself, Heather needs to be here. You know, you've got somebody else, not you, Heather, I didn't mean to pick on you, Heather, but somebody else needs to hear that. I think it's important to read through and say, no, no, what does this say to me? Now, the third question is, what do you want to say to God about this text? So I'm reading Psalms 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains and say, you know, God, I haven't been lifting my eyes to you at all. And I've been so focused on everything else around me I don't even see the beauty that is all around. I am missing so much in life. What do you need to say to God about the Scripture? And then this is the big one. What action do I need to take? You ever been reading a Scripture and you sense through God's Spirit you need to do something? Uh, there's somebody you need to call. There's somebody you need to forgive. There's a conversation you need to have. There's somebody that needs to hear the words. Man, I love you. Are you allowing God's word to move you to do that? And here's the most important thing about this whole process. Uh, the early church fathers said this, 
It's about savoring the Scripture, savoring the Scripture. Uh, one of our guys on staff, Alan Phillips, we have staff devotions on Tuesday. He goes through this process, and here's what he does. He'll take a text and read through it three times from three different translations. Now, I'm going to be honest. On Tuesday morning, Tony, you can agree with me, uh, it's hard. You know why it's hard? Because I've got 74. I'm like, i got to get this guy. And all of a sudden, he reads through the first time, and I'm like, I hope that next verse is a little bit faster than that. You know, he'll usually get to the message. Oh, great, that's the long one. And then I'm just back. Like, what's wrong with me? I can't even sit still long enough to really allow God's word to take root. Now, I'm going to show my age on this one. Uh, there was an old hymn years ago. We used to sing it all the time in the old church where I grew up, and it was Sweet Hour of Prayer. Anybody remember that song? Uh, it's by Alan Jackson, not the country western singer. Uh, but here's what it says. I just want you to listen to the first part. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne. Make all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief. My soul has often found relief and oft escapes the tempter's snare by thy return. Sweet hour of prayer. So let me ask a, a loaded question. When you hear that song, you think, oh, that, I remember hearing it as a kid, I'm like, oh, that is so pretty, and that's also so impossible. How could anybody pray for an hour? You ever think about that? How could you pray for an hour straight? And I understand that question. Uh, out of a, a couple of uh, blogs that I found from uh, Crew and Relevant Magazine, uh, they shared these examples. I think it's true. Number one, we live in a world of constant distraction. Isn't that true? So many distractions. And what I love about having an iPhone, it's eliminated all my distractions. I mean, it just has helped me so much, okay? At times, it can feel strange to pray, especially there's times you sense I need to pray, but I'm in a public setting and I don't know how to pray. Have you ever been at a table with someone, and, and a couple of you at the table maybe starts praying. Uh, I heard a true story about a guy that sat down with a group of ministers, and uh, uh, the waitress uh, took their order and then walked away, and they began the one at a time bow to pray, and the waiter had no idea what was going on and kept saying, what's the matter? What's the matter? And they kept hitting each one of them. Uh, I think they thought they were all dropping on the scene. But prayer sometimes feels strange. It can also, we need to realize, it's a discipline. I would love to say it's not a discipline, but it's something uh, we have to work at. And then prayer means that uh, we do not trust ourselves as much as we trust God. See, we always think we've got a better option. We're letting God in on it. Hey, God, just thought I'd let you know how you should answer this. It doesn't work that way. It's trusting God completely. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says that we are to pray without ceasing. That means in your car, don't close your eyes. It means at work, before meetings, walking, shopping, those quiet moments that we're in this ongoing communication with God because God's in control. There's a famous British general that said this, I've noticed that in battle, God always seems the one on the side of the army with the heaviest artillery. How many battles are you fighting right now that you have no business fighting by yourself? Why don't you surrender to God? Why don't I surrender to God 
when I face these struggles. I had uh, a meeting this week. I'm sure some of you have had these. Like, I was dreading the meeting. I couldn't, st- and it was at the end of the week. Don't you hate those kind of meetings at the end of a week? And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I actually started writing out how I should respond to this. And if this is done, respond to it. And then I'm like, time out. I, I got up really early, and I'm like, I'm just going to go for a walk. And, uh, and when I, this is interesting, uh, when I have really tough decisions or those kind of meetings, a lot of times I will actually walk in a cemetery. And so I found a cemetery and I started walking because it puts things in perspective for me. And so, and I always set my watch for an hour. I just kept walking around and walking around. And slowly and surely I just felt this presence come over me like, you're not in control. You've never been in control. Why don't you let me take over? Why don't you let me become the peace that overcomes all this stress that you're under and just turn this over to me. And it was interesting uh, that the meeting went much better than I dreamed. And uh, at the end of it, I'm like, that was almost enjoyable. Now, I would love to say, because I'm a great guy. No, I serve a great God. So do you. Whatever it is you're battling, whatever it is you're struggling with, you need to understand how powerful it is to surrender to God. Kelly Howard, who wrote a book called Live a Praying Life, said, my goal in prayer should be to allow God to change my heart and mind to reflect his. Real prayer is not actively limited to a time slot in my day, but an ongoing relationship, and here's the key, with the living God, that you are communicating with the living God. That's what it's all about. So in front of you, you should have uh, this little handout. This is a practical thing. I'd love for you to try this this week. When I was in college, I remember getting this. And uh, when I have a season in my life, that I just feel like I need to get away and have some extended prayer. So here's how you can have an hour of prayer this week. And uh, I took two things that I love, prayer and pie, and put it together. So there's your prayer pie. And by the way, we're having a service tonight, right back here, very simple praise and prayer time, and we're going to kind of walk through some of the slices of this pot. We're not going to go through all of them, but here's how it works. You would uh, you'd start and go counterclockwise if you want to go the hour. You can pick any slice of the pie you want, but you'd say you'd start with gratitude. And you'd say, Lord, for five minutes, I just want to thank you. And if you want to, take out a piece of paper. What are the things you're thankful for and grateful for? Just start praying as many things as you can thank God for. And if you want, you can even set your watch or your phone, and you'll be surprised those five minutes will go that fast. And then go to the next one, your neighbors. You're like, I don't like my neighbors. Pray 10 minutes, but pray. And if you follow this, and just, again, don't get rigid with it, but just think, I'm going to try to pray about five minutes for each slice of that pie. Uh, you'll be surprised that hour will go by so fast. Uh, when I was uh, in college, when I got that, uh, I remember that summer, me and a buddy were out way out. It's kind of like a, a state park in Missouri, and we were camping out and sitting by the fire, and he said, uh, what did you think about that prayer pie? I'm like, I thought it was kind of lame. I said, I don't think it, what, it can't work like that. So he took out a piece of paper and goes, well, let's just try it. And he wrote out 12 different things. I, I'd listed 12. You can list whatever you want. He listed out 12 things. 
He said, I'll tell you what, I'll start praying and you pray and I'll pray. And let's, just, let's just see what happens. And he said, I know this is crazy, but why don't we just look up the stars while we do this? I said, oh, okay. Two hours. I'm not kidding. You could hear that. I remember hearing the creek. I remember looking at the stars. I remember we'd be like, hey, you know what? Let's not talk for a while. We just sit there and stare. And I remember when we were done, he goes, dude, that was two hours. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to do this all the time. I was so stupid. You know, when I was 20. But why don't we do this? Why don't we say, Lord, I really want to spend an hour with you. I mean, I really, I really want to spend intense time in prayer with you. And God can do some things that are unbelievable, that only God can do. Recently, you've heard me say I'm a nerd about documentaries. I, I watched a documentary, and I'm sure you have too, about the 1936 United States row team. I'm sure you've all seen them. And so, um, but here's what I love. It's a, a bunch of college guys from Washington University that uh, in those days, if you won the national championship, you immediately represented the United States in the Olympics, if it was an Olympic year. And they upset everybody, and here's, nobody even knew who they were. And uh, they won the national championship and went to the Olympics. Pretty amazing. And then they, they beat Hitler. They beat Hitler on the Olympics, and Hitler was there, and he was all mad, and that was awesome. But anyway, um, before they won the national championship, they had a free day, and they were in the lower section of New York. Now, only college guys would even think about this. They started reminiscing about what, they, what they're going to do with their day off, and one of the guys go, hey, you know, if we take this river several miles up, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's home's up there. His homestead's right there. They said, so what do you want to do? He goes, let's go visit the president. They said, okay. So they get their eight-man row boat, take this thing up, and uh, can you imagine this? Pull it off in the yard. Franklin Delano Roosevelt walks up to the front door. The gardener comes out like, can I help you? Yeah, we'd like to see the president. They go knock on the door, and uh, he wasn't home, but one of his sons, who was also a rower, was home. Well, he, he'd heard about these guys. He said, you've got to come inside. So they're walking all through the president's house. They sit in his uh, main office. One of the guys is sitting where he used to deliver the fireside chats. I mean, unbelievable. And then the next day, this is the coolest thing. There was a young man named Johnny White who was on the team, and he journaled. And here's what he said about uh, being in the house of the president. He sure has a swell place. <laughs> wow. Really? That's the best you can do, Johnny? Who has the audacity to get in a boat and row up to the president's house and think they're going to meet the president of the United States? Well, I want to be that kind of guy. Don't you want to be that kind of person that can say, I'm entering the throne of God, and you know what? He's going to let me in. He actually, the creator of the universe, wants a relationship with me. You know what that's called? Prayer. Prayer isn't God saying, no, 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 until you get your act together, you don't approach me. Or I'll tell you what, I can meet with you for about 15 minutes on Thursday. Doesn't work that way. God at all times says, talk to me. That's like somebody knocking on the door of the president and the president letting him in, except now you're talking to the creator of the universe. That's what prayer is. That's why I love God so much, and that's why he loves us so much. Prayer isn't what you can get out of it. 
Prayer is what God's going to deliver to you. He wants this relationship with us. I want to pray for all of us this morning that this week, as we go into this week, that we'll allow God's praises to lift us up, but also that we can start setting aside specific times to really get serious about prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know how important it is to praise you, and we know how important it is uh, to pray. And Lord, for some of us, uh, one of these different pathways is what helps us to just draw so close to you. And Lord, help us learn from one another. Thank you for always having the welcome mat out for all of us, that you never turn your back on us, and you're always there. And for that, Jesus, we thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.